Good morning. morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Don, for the songs. I want to talk about freedom this morning. And this, uh, the foundation for this lesson comes from Brother Mike Kellett. I'll give him the credit. The men's retreat. Mike is one of the elders at the White's Ferry Road Church of Christ in West Monroe, I believe it is, Louisiana. I think here in the United States we uh, understand freedom, I think. It's a glorious feeling, it's a glorious thought, it's a glorious condition. I don't know if you've ever reflected on uh, freedom, and I'm talking here about, you know, political freedom, if you will, right now, and personal freedom. Even as Mike often prays, we're free to come and assemble here, and we're not harassed, and so forth. That in the annals of history, there have been very few peoples who've had this kind of freedom. Very few. People have been ruled by monarchs, tyrants, dictators. Tribes have had chieftains. And then there's the various isms, Nazism and communism, in which people were not free. Not free at all. Recall... uh, from our own founders, old Patrick Henry, give me freedom, give me liberty or give me death. And uh, his whole speech is quite interesting. Uh, in fact, it was part of one of the ones, uh, part of that speech in, in the DVD Don was mentioning there. He had a lot of God in his speech, too. The state motto of New Hampshire is live free or die. I just wonder if that would really be our feeling today. That if we started to be oppressed and give up our liberties to the government, which it seems like we're going in that direction, would we rebel? Or would we just calmly give in and give up our freedom? Ever think about that? Millions have fought and died to maintain or to receive freedom. Our own revolution, of course, is part of that and the history of our world wars to preserve our own freedom and to try to give freedom to other peoples. But today I'm going to talk about real freedom. You call it true freedom, you call it soul freedom. It's freedom that even though you're living under the auspices of a communist regime or some cruel dictator, that you can still be free, totally and completely free. That the political freedom, even though you don't have that, that you will have the freedom 
that you really need. And that freedom only comes from Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can really make us free. Galatians 5.1 It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Now I know in the context that Paul is talking about freedom from law. And we'll be speaking about that later on as one of our points. But that, that phrase there, or that sentence, if you will, goes far beyond freedom from law and law-keeping. Jesus came to set us free. I know we always talk about Jesus came, why did he come to seek and to save the lost? All right? Those who are lost are those who are not free. Did you know that? Those who are lost are those who are not free. They are captive. And Jesus came to set us free and to bring us home. Keep two questions in mind here as we, as we move through these thoughts. And they're going to make five thoughts here, five ideas of freedom. First of all, do you personally have this freedom? Do you have it? Each one of these. And then secondly, if you really do have it, are you helping other people obtain it? Because what a selfish thing it is if you are truly free and you're not trying to help other people be free. The first one, and we'll look at 2 Timothy here, chapter 2 in a minute. Jesus brings us freedom from the devil's power. You know, no army, no government, no doctor can do that. I'm really thankful for our medical community. Thankful that Shirley was able to go this morning and get some treatment. We can be free from some diseases. But did you know that these diseases come as a result of Satan tempting Eve, causing her to sin, make the wrong choice, bringing, causing her to turn from God, and as a result, the earth was cursed, and death came. So many folks don't believe in the devil or in his power. You know, they think he's some kind of imaginary character, a myth, a cartoon, just something, some image in our minds to represent evil, but he's not really real. Do you believe in Satan? I'm really asking you, to, do you believe in Satan? really need to answer that question. Jesus believed in Satan, didn't he? He faced off with Satan. We're told about it in the Gospels. You know, here's, here's all the kings of the earth. Just bow down, worship me. I'll give them all to you. You are the son of God. Command these stones to become bread. He's out there in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying. Jesus would have none of him, resisted him, overcame his power. 
that when we say that Jesus can free us from the, the power of the devil, we're, we're talking about reality here. Because all the people, all the folks who are not in Christ Jesus are under the power and enslaved to the devil. That's just a fact. Can't change it. It's the way it is. Now, they might not realize it, and they might just, you know, ah, no, no big deal. And they think everything's all right in their life. But that's because the devil has got them totally deceived. Believing lies. 2 Timothy 2.24 The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Now again, in the context, he's writing to Timothy, an evangelist, a minister of the gospel. But you know, everyone who is of Christ Jesus is his bondservant, aren't they? And if we're to be about the ministry and the work of the Lord, this is what we need to be. If we're going to even think about bringing people out from under the bondage of Satan and into the freedom of Christ. This is the way you do it. Whether you're a minister of the gospel or, or not, whether you're an elder or not, this is the way you do it. And it begins with yourself. You must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all. It's not about arguing. about able to teach patient when wrong which includes someone speaking against you and you know opening up with a real tirade with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition you know even today we are so afraid of correcting people our culture has started to push that on us. You can't say anything to anybody about, well, wait a minute, that's not really true. We're so afraid of that. But what does Paul say? The Lord's bondservant must be able to do that. That begins with your heart. You must love those people enough to want to correct them, to show them the true way, the ways of God. Because this is the only way they can be free from the power of Satan. If they find the truth. It's the only way. Correcting those who are in opposition. Not only in opposition to God, but they are actually in opposition to themselves. They're doing things that hurt themselves and hurt their families. Because they're living in ways that God did not design. They're in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance. Wow. If perhaps. And how much prayer do we need if we're trying to teach someone? That God will open their hearts and grant them repentance. God has a part, you see. It's not just all about you. Yes, we have a part, but God is involved. 
The power of the Holy Spirit is involved. The Word of God, you know, that's quick and sharper than any two-edged sword and all that. Grant them repentance, change of life, change the way of thinking. All those things need to change. Come to their senses. Oh, I skipped one. Leading to the knowledge of the truth. You see, there it is. Leading to the knowledge of truth and coming to their senses, realizing, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got this all wrong. I've been living wrong doing the wrong thing, seeing the world the wrong way. Why? Because you're under the power of Satan, you see. Escape from the snare of the devil having been taken captive to do his will. That's what it is. Satan brings us into bondage. Only Jesus Christ can free us from that bondage. You'll be really be free, serving the Lord Jesus. Our second thought, and these all go hand in hand. Let's go back to Romans chapter 6. Free from sin and the power of sin. Of course, that's what Satan does when he draws us away from God, and we start doing the wrong things, and we're under the power of sin doing the wrong things, thinking the wrong way, sinful thoughts, sinful ways of thinking, sinful habits, sinful responses in life. We start to think that the way to deal with problems is alcohol, drugs, run to the computer and look at pornography, go get the pack of cigarettes and just go outside and smoke it away. You go to the dog track and spend your money. Go shopping. Yeah, this is a way to deal with life. But it's not. Wrong ways of thinking. Wrong ways of seeing things. We get comfortable with our sinful lifestyle. Some people are even good, morally sound and upright. And they even do good things for people. But the big problem is they get all the glory because God is left out of their life. God is left out. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in Christ. They never give him honor. They never thank him. They never say, well, God gave me the ability to do this. Never. Never. They're in bondage to sin. Romans 6 Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in the context he's talking about being baptized into Christ, dying with him in the waters of baptism, becoming a new creation. In order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. You see? We're free. Where do we... How do we die in... The, still live in this body where we die with Christ. We die spiritually when we're baptized. And then we're free from sin, you see. We're free from it. We've been forgiven, and we're now in Christ, and Christ becomes our righteousness. Do we still sin? Yes, we do, but 
That blood of Christ continues to cleanse us, 1 John chapter 1. And we're free. You're free from the sinful way of seeing things and the sinful lifestyle. Verse 13, same chapter. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So no no longer in your life are you serving sin and sinful ways and doing sinful things, but now you are striving to do the righteous things in the right way to truly help people. You're not serving sin and sinful ways and sinful habits. You are serving the righteous life, doing good. Living a life of sin is a waste. It's a waste. Every breath you draw, everything you do is a waste. Because Jesus is not honored. And you're doing the wrong things. Jesus can free you from this, from wasting your life and living it in sin. He can free you from that. That's why he came. Free from the devil, free from sin, free from guilt. Romans 8.1. We're not talking here about guilty feelings, about a conscience that bothers you, although that is part of it. But we need to recognize that we are legally and morally guilty before God unless we're in Christ. And we were all that way before we came to Christ. We have offended God and broken his laws. Every person on this planet, every person who's ever lived. That's why we must stand before the judgment bar of God. Not just some little thing that he's concocted to make us feel bad at the end end uh, end of time. We are legally and morally guilty before God. We are condemned before God. When you tell people this, some some are truly ignorant of it. They don't believe in God, obviously, or the Word. Some suppress it and try to bury it and just, don't bother me with that. And some really have a conscience that bothers them about it, which is a good thing. You know, God gave us that conscience to move us in the right direction, to let us know something is wrong. Something is wrong, I need to correct. But look in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. See, not guilty. You're not guilty. You're not condemned. There is no condemnation for those, for everybody, because Jesus came and everybody's not condemned? No. For those who are in Christ Jesus. There's that little phrase that you find so many places in the New Testament where we understand that's where all the goodies are. That's where all the good stuff is. Salvation, forgiveness, freedom, called sons of God, and on and on in Christ. 
That's the only place all those things are. So if you're in Christ and you've had that sin removed, you're not condemned before God. Not because you haven't done any sin since that and committed any wrong deeds since that, told a few lies, made a few boners, no, but because you are in Christ and you continue to turn from the wickedness and you continue to repent and you trust in him because you're trusting in his righteousness. So we Christians need to believe this. You know, there's still Christians out there and maybe you're one of them. You're still feeling guilty about things you've done. I ask you the question, why? If you are in Christ, do you not believe he has cleansed you from sin? Maybe it's something you're continuing to do and you're just not really repenting of it. That's a little bit different. But even sometimes after we've done that, you know, we still kind of feel guilty, don't we? I think part of that's just shame because we've failed the Lord. But even at that, we need to really understand. We're not trying to take sin lightly here. But when we, we ask forgiveness and we trust in God and we're trying to turn from what we've done wrong, he'll forgive us. And we're not condemned. And so we should be joyful about that. We should be thankful about that. Jesus frees us from all guilt before the judge of the universe by his death on the cross. The next thought, back to Romans 6. And this is the one we start there in Galatians, the beginning. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Freedom from law. And this is one we have a hard time grasping. We want to understand what this means. First of all, it does not mean the law of Moses, because the law of Moses has been fulfilled. Okay? Now, some of those principles there have obviously been brought over into the New Testament. And it's not the law of Christ, because we are to follow the commandments of our Lord, aren't we? We're not free from doing anything, right? He, we do have a word from him. We do have commandments. We do have teachings. The apostles and so forth tell us how to live. So it doesn't mean we're not bound by the law of Christ or the words of Christ. But the point is, it kind of goes back to the previous point, my salvation does not depend upon how perfectly I keep the law of Christ. It does not depend upon that. Jesus is not counting up my sins and failures and oversteps and at some point says, that's it. I can't forgive you anymore. He's not doing that. He's not doing that. As long as we confess our sins, what does John say? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 6.14 For sin shall not be master over you. All right? 
because sin and law are connected. For you are not under law, but under grace. It's a gift. The gift of life eternal through Christ Jesus. Beautiful passage at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where it talks about Jesus is our wisdom, Jesus is our sanctification, Jesus is our redemption, and Jesus is our righteousness. He is the righteousness we plead, the perfection before God, because why? We are in him. That's why. And it isn't about our worrying about meticulously keeping Jesus' words because he knows we, we can't do it without sin. We cannot do it perfectly. He absolutely knows that. And so he wants to free us from having that burden on us like was on the children of Israel. When whenever they committed a sin, what they have to do? They had to go get the sacrifice and walk down to the priest. Now, we need to confess our sins too, but through Christ, we are forgiven. So Jesus can free us from the anxiety of law-keeping. Just serve him with joy and thankfulness, and when you trip up and you fall, just say, Lord, I did it again. Please forgive me. And keep going. And don't beat yourself up because you sin. Fifth thought from Revelation chapter 1. Freedom from death or the grave. And how many people are not even considering their end? I mean, if you ask people, they say, you know, are you going to live forever? They're going to say, no, everybody dies. Well, you think about what happens after that? No. They're just too busy with life, their hobbies and work and paying their bills and weekend. What are we doing on the weekend and the holiday and the next birthday on a calendar? But they never really think about things that are truly important. Jesus provides the freedom that we don't have to worry about death. Yes, we're still going to die unless he comes back. We don't have to be afraid of that. Revelation 1, you've heard it before, but you really need to know this verse, these two verses. They're so important. When I saw him, I felt his feet like a dead man. He placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. It's all, you know, I've got it all covered. I've been there. I was there in the beginning, and I'll be there at the end, and I'm here in the middle, too. He's our only hope. And the living one. Christ is life. I remember he mentioned there in the gospel, he said, just as my father has life in himself, he has granted that the son has life in himself. That's life eternal, but, you know, that's any, any kind of life that comes from God. Life does not come from non-life. It's not possible. 
in any setting, physical or spiritual. I'm the living one. I was dead. You know, there's a, there's a real phrase we need to remember. It might sound somber and it might sound uh, weird. But Jesus is identifying with us, with you and me. I was dead. I died. I know what it's like. I went to Hades. I was there with the spirits. But then the joyful news, and behold, I am alive. Okay, that's good, right? I'm alive, but what? What's the next word? Forevermore. I'm never going to die again. Death couldn't hold him. He was without sin. He was not under captivity to the devil. He was not condemned by God. He kept the law perfectly. And so death could not hold him. This is why he can give us all these freedoms. And give your friend, your spouse, your co-worker these freedoms too. He's the only one who can do it. These are the freedoms that really matter. I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. Before that, as I would understand it, Satan had them. Satan had those keys. Not anymore. Christ Jesus does. Isn't that good news? That's marvelous news. So remember this. Jesus kept the law perfectly. He was without sin, resisted all the temptations of the devil, so God could not condemn him. Why did he die? Because he took our sins on him. Now what Peter says? In his own body on the tree, our sins, and he died for us a sacrifice to God, the Lamb of God. But because he didn't have any of his own sins, death couldn't hold him, and now he has the keys of Hades and death. And he can bring us these true freedoms. If you are in Christ and serving Christ and faithful to Christ, all these freedoms are yours. You need to see that. You need not labor about sin. I'm not saying take it lightly again, but Christ has dealt with sin. Deal with sin the way he says to and move on. That's what we're saying. And if you have these freedoms, please share them with someone else. Believe me, here or there they're thinking about these things. They don't understand. Why am I living this way? Why am I hurting myself? Why do I keep hurting my family? Why am I afraid to die? These things are in their hearts. And if you don't have these freedoms, you need to really think about them. Because only Jesus can give you these freedoms. These are the ones that matter. These are the ones that will take us into eternity. Free from the power of Satan. Free from sin and 
living a life of sin, a wasted life, free from being troubled about keeping the law perfectly. You're free from that. Free from condemnation before God. And free from the grave. Someday the promise is, just as Jesus was resurrected, so will we be to live forevermore, just like him. If you want to respond to these words of freedom this morning, it's really the gospel of Jesus Christ. Said in another way, that he came to save us and die for us. We're ready to assist you in your obedience to Christ as we read and talked about there in Romans 6, to die with him so that we might live with him, die in the waters of baptism. If you are a Christian and you're struggling with any of these freedoms, maybe you'd like for us to pray with you this morning. If you'd like to talk with me or Mike or Mike about something, we're available. Come and enjoy the freedom of Christ while we stand and sing.